If you will open it up or turn it on, we're going to be in John 3 today, and then we'll also be over in Hebrews chapter 11. So I have a confession to make. I actually enjoy it when Christmas falls on Sunday. So I, I, I like it. I like Christmas on Sunday. Uh, on average, Christmas falls on a Sunday every seven years. But do you know the next time that Christmas falls on Sunday? 2033. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and announce that we're having church. If I'm, if I'm here, Christmas Day 2033, but it's going to be at 1 o'clock instead of 11 o'clock in 2033. And then we'll have it again in 2039. Uh, but I'm expecting by then it'll be like virtual reality or something, something like, like, like that. But uh, how old will you be the next time that Christmas falls on Sunday? So by the way, if you want proof that you were here for church on Christmas Sunday, there is your proof. Take the picture right now. And you can show Grandma that you have a doctor's note that you were at church on Christmas Sunday, 2022. Well, how many of you grew up in a family where you watched a lot of Christmas movies? How many of y'all didn't grow up in a Christmas? Okay, I didn't grow up in a Christmas movie family. My wife, Stacy, did grow up in a Christmas movie family. By the way, I think we've concluded that Die Hard, the clean version, is a Christmas movie. Uh, but, but over the, yeah, yeah I know, it's been, it's been a long debate, but I think we've come to that conclusion. But... Uh, over the years, my wife has tried to teach me the joy of watching Christmas movies, and uh, here's my second confession. I know that I'm a preacher, but some of the Christmas movies that I've enjoyed don't talk about Bethlehem. I know. Uh, there's a church term for that, and that is called a secular movie. <laughs> a secular movie is one of those that has a theme of Christmas, but it's not really about Jesus and the story of Christmas, and if you look at those movies, a lot of times they will talk about, in those movies, believing in Christmas, right? Here's an example. You ever seen Elf? Sinners. Anyway, um, so at the end of Elf, there is, this, there is this place where they're trying to get Santa's sleigh to fly, right? And what do they have to do? They have to believe in Christmas, and if they believe in Christmas enough, if they can find the spirit of Christmas, then it will happen. And then, uh, so by spontaneously singing Christmas carols and uh, helping hurting people and reading Twas the Night Before Christmas, they show their faith in the spirit of Christmas, and then everything happens, right? Whenever they believe in Christmas. We were watching a show called The Christmas Lights Fights. Anybody ever seen The Christmas Lights Fights? It's one of those shows on Hulu, and they, they go around and they find people that have just, over the years, turned their backyard or their, their house Christmas lights into something that is a community-wide event. And so they, they show four different people, and then one of them wins the prize of $50,000, and you know they, they celebrate Christmas. And one of the guys was saying, if, if you don't have the Christmas spirit when you come into my house, you'll have it when you leave. And so this belief or this idea of the Christmas spirit, it saturates our culture this time of year. And I want to ask you this morning, do you believe in Christmas? You say, well, uh, of course I believe in Christmas. I'm, I'm here, aren't I? 
but do you believe in the message of Christmas? So I'm not just asking you if you have the Christmas spirit. I'm not asking you if you desire unity and peace. I think we all desire unity and peace and joy. But I'm asking you, do you believe in Jesus, the star of Christmas? Have you ever trusted him as Savior and Lord? You see, the movies are right. Our response to Christmas should be faith. Faith is actually the response that we should have to the story of Christmas. Let me share with you this verse from John chapter 3 and verse 16. It's a familiar verse. You may not be as familiar with the context in which it was spoken. There was a guy by the name of Nicodemus who had achieved a lot in his life. He was a very successful person, but he was struggling with this idea of belief. And so he came to Jesus at night asking questions, and Jesus had a conversation with him that you can find there in John chapter 3. And as they get towards the end of the conversation, Jesus speaks these words that are probably among the most popular in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So you have these four big squares of the present here in John 3.16, the idea that God gave. And what did God give? He gave His only Son. So God loves, God gave, we are called to believe, and then we live. And those four ideas, they package this incredible verse, John 3.16. And so we ask ourselves the question, What does God want from me when it comes to Christmas? What is it that I'm supposed to give God when it comes to Christmas? And what He wants from you and what He wants from me is faith. Now, what's interesting about faith is it's actually not something that you do. It's you. He wants you to surrender you to Him. He wants you to trust in Him. He wants you to believe in His provision, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 gives us a good working definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you go on down to verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 11, the Scripture makes this incredibly bold statement. It says, now, without faith, it is, fill in the words for me, impossible to please God. So, I'm I'm believing that one of the reasons why you're here is because you want to live a life that is pleasing to God. Well, the Bible teaches us here in this passage that without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. You can go to church, you can give, you can uh, write Christian poems, you can have KLTY as one of the presets in your truck, you can have all that stuff. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because just as God loved you so much that he gave his son, what he asks of you is that you will give yourself. You'll surrender yourself to his love. Surrender yourself to his provision. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So think about the Christmas story. Where do you see faith? When we think about Mary and Joseph, I think you see a lot of faith. They trusted God. I was thinking this week about just how traumatic all the events had to be for Mary and Joseph. I mean, they're planning their wedding. (laughs) They're all excited. And the next thing you know, an angel's visiting her and telling her she's going to be pregnant in a miraculous fashion. I mean, there's all these changes. And then they finally adjust to that. And Joseph's visited by an angel. And he decides, I'm going to go ahead and marry her. And then they're planning the shower. And they're painting the nursery. And they're doing all this stuff. And then Caesar Augustus issues a census. And so he has to go into his wife, who let's say she's 39 weeks pregnant, and say, hey, we're going on a road trip. And I rented the best donkey that they had down at Enterprise, right? And she's going to have to ride 70 miles on a donkey. I mean, think about all that. There was a tremendous amount of faith. And they have their birth plan. I remember when our our first child was born, we had this huge birth plan. This is how it's going to work. By child number four, you know, we were just kind of flying off the seat of our pants, right? But the first plan, man, we had it all, first child, we had it all figured out. And so Mary had in her mind this idea of how it's supposed to go. And then she goes into labor on the road trip, and then they can't find a place to stay. They wind up, she winds up giving birth where they keep the animals. That's not exactly the cleanest hospital in the world. And she wraps the baby in cloth and lays him in a feeding trough. That took a lot of faith. And they were having to believe in the evidence of things not seen. They were having to trust God. I think we see faith in the Christmas story with the shepherds. What I was talking to the kids about a while ago, here are the shepherds, and the kids were telling me it was just a plain everyday night. They're just going about their business, and then Bennett was like, and suddenly the sky was glowing, and people were talking to him. And what's the reaction of people every time they encounter the angels of God in Scripture? Fear. They're overwhelmed at the power and the glory of God. And so here are the shepherds just going about their business, watching the sheep, and suddenly they become a part of the greatest story in history Yet, have you ever thought about how much faith they had to have to overcome their fear? Did we really see that? Did somebody put something in the shepherd brownies tonight? Are we hallucinating or did we really see this? Are we really supposed to leave our sheep and go and search for this, this baby? Is this what we're supposed to do? There were so, what are people going to think if we leave our flock here in the fields? There were so many obstacles that the shepherds had to overcome, but they pressed through their fears and they found faith. I think we see faith in the story of the wise men in Scripture. The wise men were a long way from God. Astrology buffs, they probably weren't even, they, I mean, they, 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 they were an example in the Christmas story of how Jesus was supposed to be the Savior, not just of the people in his region, but of all people. And the wise men are an example of how God was using Jesus to cross geographical boundaries, ethnic boundaries, 
to reach all the people groups of the world. They were a long way from God, and yet they showed faith in following the star to come worship the Savior. They drew near to God and believed that He exists. What's my point in all this? Believing in Christmas requires faith. It means that you are trusting God, that motivated by His love for you, He really did send His Son. And faith also means that you're believing in Christ. The passage there in John 3.16 says, For whosoever, in King James, for whoever believes in Him does not perish but have everlasting life. You know, one of the things that I've discovered in talking to adults over the years is that they have a hard time believing that God can love them. Because of things that you've done, things that people have taught you over the years, you feel as though you're not worthy of love, that you could never truly be accepted in the family of God. And one of the challenges is that you've probably been taught that love is about your good behavior. If you can be good enough, if you can be likable enough, then maybe you can be lovable. But the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ loved us, God loved us. That motivated by His love, God sent His Son. God loves us with an unconditional love that has been extended to you, not because of your loveliness, not because of your performance, but through the grace of Jesus Christ. And one of the great things about the Christmas story is that you can belong. You can be loved. And you can have assurance of that love for all eternity. And God doesn't ask of you some performance treadmill. He asks of you faith. Faith is one of the most abused words in all of the English languages. All the English languages. All the English language. It's right up there with the word love. Don't we use the word love just all the time in different ways? You get a nice present. Did you like it? I love it. I made you some eggnog. Do you like it? I love it. I love beverages that look like pancake batter. Mm. <laughs> we throw love around all the time. And a lot of times we really don't mean it. And we do the thing, same thing with the word faith. Last week after the Cowboys lost, keep the faith, brother. Keep the faith. This week after the Cowboys, everybody already know the score? All right. Okay. Last night, they were like, don't tell us the score, Lash. Right. So, so after the Cowboys beat the Eagles yesterday, mm, wonderful, yeah. Now we have faith that this will be the year, right? That we are going to once again reach the pinnacle. It's been since the Barry Switzer era, but this is going to be the year. And so this idea of wanting to believe in something bigger than ourselves is part of the human experience. Yet sometimes, though, we morph, morph faith into something that it's really not. Faith is, optimis is more than just optimism. That's one of the things that we sometimes morph faith into. Faith is just optimism. And so we think, you know, having faith just means positive thinking. And if I have enough positive vibes, and if we together have enough positive energy then that's faith. And optimism is great. I, I try to be a positive, optimistic person. I mean, I'm not really a big, huge fan of Eeyore. 
We should try to think positively, but optimism is not faith. Here's the problem. If optimism were faith, then it leads to this really vicious cycle. When things are going good, when life is good, then I have faith. But then when life gets rough, I push away from faith and I often move towards anger. And frequently, my anger will be towards God. But then I start thinking to myself, well, I don't really need to be angry with God, so I give God an extension so that he can get it right. But then once again, I get disappointed. And when we get in this faith is optimism loop, then eventually what happens is we just become old and cranky because people disappoint us. Life hurts us. And our optimism over time just gets pushed down. It's kind of like that big whack-a-mole game. It just keeps pushing us down over and over and over again until eventually you start getting cranky. For some of us, we think that faith is self-empowerment and we'll use Bible verses to leverage God. You hear this sometimes in prayer. Lord, you have said in your word that if we have faith that we can move mountains and so right now we are claiming it and we are telling you this is what you have to do because two or more are gathered in his name and and here's what I want and you better do what I tell you to do right now. You ever heard of those kind of prayers? What are they doing? It's really self-empowerment that faith belongs to me and I'm coming to God to use faith as a way to get him to do what I want him to do. Prayer is really about surrender. It's about God being God and not you. Faith is about much more than just having a positive attitude. Faith is more than just the Christmas spirit and trying to be a better self and be kind to your fellow man. Faith is about totally trusting God with your soul and with your life. And faith, my friends, is how we